What's going on guys and welcome back. We have the best season of Marvel Snap yet and easily the best cards to come to the game. We're going to give our early thoughts and review as well as a season pass preview. We're also going to talk about the current state of the Marvel Snap meta and underrated decks that people are not playing. And then lastly guys, we're going to cover the OTA changes and all the card balances now that they've been out in some decks. In the latter, we're going to give our final thoughts. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. It's our first Monday Snapchat. We have a brand new season of Marvel Snap. It's May 1st. It's crazy, man. April is already over. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. And honestly, like I've been having such a blast playing Marvel Snap lately. The over-the-air updates are doing wonderful things to the meta. Everything feels fresh. I feel like there's way more deck diversity than ever before. Cozy, it is a great time to be a Marvel Snap player. Yeah, we had our first OTA patch. We have easily the best season ahead of us. I mean, the new cards, even the new season pass, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, which the movie reviews have been off the charts, man. And then our topics today are just fire. So what are we talking about on your side of the channel? We're going to be talking about our infinite decks of the season, the ones that we relied on to get to infinite and get those cubes when it mattered most. We're also going to be talking about the cards that carried us this season because there's a bunch of cards that have been really standouts and have been, uh, you know, just kind of shining stewards in the glow of Marvel Snap. Moreover, we're going to be discussing something that is critical to Marvel Snap and I think a major point of uh, kind of conversation across all forums and that is, is Galactus a problem? And I'm very interested in seeing what you have to say. Yeah, we uh, we talked about upcoming villains the last Snapchat and like we we really ring that true as we can see the last couple of weeks and also just the meta in general is at a really good and refreshing place. There's a lot of decks that are competitive at the moment and a lot of card diversity too. So I think this is going to be one of the most exciting episodes of the Snapchat. But besides that, dude, the new season, like I can't. So uh, let me ask you this. Are you a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, did you enjoy the films? I'm a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. In fact, almost every single night with my son, we actually watch Baby Groot. Like there's these Baby Groot yeah, yeah. shorts. We watch them all the time. Every night he asks about Baby Groot all the time. And uh, he actually says, he says, dad, show me like Iron Man building his suit. But like, yeah, we're really into Guardians of the Galaxy and he loves Rocket and he loves obviously Baby Groot and stuff like that. Yeah, I love, we talked about this with the Ant-Man one, but I love when the season lines up with movie premieres and uh, I've already seen the ratings of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just like off the charts. It has the first MCU F-bomb, dude. <laughs> I love it. And I love that James Gunn, just phenomenal director, is like proud of that too. He's like, heck yeah, man. I want to be the first official F-word in the MCU. You. And Kevin Feige was like, are you sure? And he's like, this is what I live for, man. Uh, so anyway, it is Guardians of the Galaxy month. We have not only a Guardians of the Galaxy featured card that looks insane, but we also have by far, it's not even close, Alex, the best new cards that we have seen ever. And I cannot wait to dive into these cards, give our early impressions, our rankings, everything about it. And we got to start with the season pass card in Nebula. Now, Nebula, guys, there's been some confusion. Nebula is going to be a 1-1. Which, Alex, as you know, we love our one cost, man. And it's going to be exciting to everyone to get Kitty for free. And then we have Nebula. So a lot of refreshment to the one cost. Uh, but Nebula here is each turn your opponent doesn't play a card where Nebula is. She's going to gain plus two power. Except the turn that you played her. Dude, there is so much possibility of Nebula being one of the best one cost drops in the game now. I can't wait because this just fits my playstyle to a T. What are your early thoughts on the card? First of all, my early thoughts are that this card is going to be fantastic. But in particular, I like the idea that the development team is taking a concerted effort of making turn one relevant again. This is one of those cards that like you don't play on turn three. It just doesn't work that way. Kitty Pride's the same way. It's a card you want on turn one. And I think that we've had this meta where like even with Silver Surfer's meta, like you just skip three turns and like it doesn't matter. Sure, you could skip almost four turns and it didn't matter, right? This with Nebula and Kitty Pride 
turn one matters again. And I think that's super important because I think it really helps to shake out what like a three minute card game should feel like, right? These each turn should be relevant. And I think that brings us back to that. Yeah, Nebula wasn't my favorite character in the films per se, but as a card, I think it's really going to be Sunspot, her and maybe Kitty if the rework feels as good as she, or even a little bit as good as she was. These are going to be like the main one cost. I think that's my only fear is that like now there's, I, I guess there's three now and not only Sunspot, right? Uh, obviously, Killmonger exists, but, you know, we've seen Sunspot dominate for so long. It doesn't matter all that much, uh, but there's a lot that we'll talk about. But I think Killmonger is going to get even more prevalent with just everything going on with this season. And obviously, Nebula is going to play a, a big part in that. So if you don't get the season pass, uh, Killmonger in your deck, you're going to feel pretty good about it. Uh, so, Alex, right away, I think she'll average to be like, what, maybe like a one five, one seven. I mean, what's cool about her is just the way Marvel Snap plays out, right? You can't play cards in her location every time. So if you get her on turn one, you're going to get yourself a pretty good nebula no matter what. Like your opponent is going to have to spread themselves out. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no question that like it's a card that like requires your opponent to be reactive to it. You can't just leave it and let it run all day long. And also like the other side to that is there's going to be locations that generally benefit it from it as well. Like miniaturized lab. It's going to be one where like you can just sit there and like your opponent can't answer. It's incredible what this card will be able to do. And remember, a 1-3 is kind of like the baseline for kind of getting a one-cost value. 1-3, like if you think about Hawkeye, you got to meet that condition, you get 1-3. Zero, you meet a condition, you get 1-3. So Nebula, I mean, they just don't play there once and it's a 1-3? That's easy. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's kind of what surprised me. I think when I first saw her, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I started to think about the decks that she actually fits in. And she's pretty damn plug and playable, Alex. Like she can go into nearly any deck, I feel like. And as you know, control, love control. And I feel like control is going to be an awesome place for her, right? Uh, because you just said miniaturized lab. Like if you throw her into kiln right before turn four ends, or you pro X the lane that she's on top, or you do, you know, any type of storm flooding, like she's just going to build up that power. Even if they dock your doom into a flooded lane, well, you have this huge nebula now. So uh, pretty excited about her possibility in control decks. I think she's going to be good also uh, to build up power. Then you can even kill Monger yourself and then null it. Or, or There's a lot of different scenarios here, man. Kind of like one through five star. What's your early impression? My early impression is like a four. I yeah. feel like it's a four and a decent four. Uh, Kitty Pride for me was a five. Like the initial Kitty, uh, Kitty Pride release was an absolute five. I feel like this is not quite as good as that, but I feel like it's, an, it's still an excellent card. And I think you bring up a great point about the storm locations, by the way, because this is a great uh, card to go in alongside something like a Juggernaut on turn four if you don't draw on turn one. And then you have that, you know, Storm Juggernaut Nebula, and that Nebula is just ticking upwards. And it should, in theory, be enough to counteract something like a Doctor Doom on the other side. Combined with that, too, what about bounce, right? Like, let's say you play her down, she gets a bunch of points up, your opponent fills up another lane, you bounce her back, throw her in the lane that's already filled up, and then she can <laughs> keep bouncing more. Like, truly, I think she's going to fit into a lot of decks. And this might be, I know we've said this a good amount this last season, obviously had a really good card, and then all, obviously we had Zabu, Silver Surfer. This might be one of the most universal because of it being a one drop. I think this is one of the more important seasons if you are one that does get season passes from time to time to snag the card. This is this is going to be a good one, man. It does definitely fit into so many different archetypes. Like it has a universal appeal like you're saying, which I think is super valuable. And I think that's kind of a good approach for a season pass card because sometimes like like one could make the argument that Modoc was like a little niche, but also Modoc's incredible, right? Insane, yeah. But niche still. This could really go into almost anything. And I think now we're starting to see why like that Sunspot nerf makes a little more sense. 
But at the same time, we're getting more competition. I almost wonder if Sunspot gets brought up to a 1-1 again because, like, you're going to have Kitty Pride, Nebula. Like, I mean, there's competition now. Yeah, I feel like Sunspot has felt like he's in a good place. But, yeah, he definitely has more competition. I think also what I love about her is what she does on turn five, right? Like, I'm fans of, uh, let's say, Negasonic, right? You place Negasonic down and they can't be like, you kind of cover that lane. Well, if you put Nebula down, right, it kind of forces them to play in that lane or she's going to go up in power and you would win that lane, right? So you could just kind of drop her and forget her, even if it's on like turn four or five, right? And it puts that pressure, kind of like a Jessica Jones almost, right? Like in a weird way of like, your opponent is going to have to address that and then you can focus on another lane. Like seriously, there's so much more there than what first meets the eye and it blows me away. I think they did a great job. She went through a lot of different iterations of how she was going to work and she was a forecast and she had different abilities. And also, Alex, I think it's good that they didn't exactly give her an on-reveal effect, ongoing. I think just text as it is works for me. I think there's a lot of value in the way that they're approaching these newly designed cards because I agree 100%. Making it an ongoing, especially with the buff to something like Enchantress, can be somewhat impactful. You have like, this is like collector-style text where it just happens. Dracula-style text. It just happens. And I totally agree with that because as a one-drop, it already has a significant downside of being killmongered. So like, you can't just have it being deleted on all different fronts at all different points of the game. I think giving it some sort of safety from something like an Enchantress I think is valuable. Yeah, but dude, also we'd even like bring up the fact it makes Guardians of the Galaxy somewhat relevant cards. You know what I love to the lore is that you can play her down, then you can play like Star-Lord turn two, then you can play like Groot turn three. So if they don't put cards in that lane, you get the value from Nebula. And if they do, you get the value from Star-Lord. And then they're going to have to play in other lanes and Nebula's still going to get that value. And then they're never going to go back to that lane anyway. So there's so many ways to bring it together. I love that cards like Star-Lord... Uh, Drax, maybe, but more of Groot and uh, Star-Lord, maybe even Rocket Raccoon is going to get a little more value because of Nebula. I've been thinking a lot about Adam Warlock. Like, if you throw Adam Warlock on top of the Nebula and they don't answer that, then you're just drawing cards right there, right? And if they do answer it, you follow it up with something like a Groot on turn three, it's very likely that you start to outpace them at that point and start getting those cards. So it's kind of interesting to think about, and I think that Adam Warlock is kind of a winner with Nebula as well, that uh, I think some deck crafting will have to see how effective uh, you know Adam Warlock can truly be but we know given the circumstances adam warlock might be one of the best cards in the game yeah dude talk, talk about thematic like see i i feel like there's going to be some serious balancing that's going to happen after this season just between new cards and like how all these cards are going to affect play it's going to be a good one but we've got a lot of cards to talk about nebula by the way guys i, I think that she's definitely a very solid this is going to be replacing my kind of is it worth it episode that i do since it's falling on the same day of the season and to me I, yeah, I'm giving this a five star. I think this is a definitely worth it season. Next season is more of a move based season. We'll get to that, you know, later in the month. So if you are want to go in on a season in the next couple, this is for now the one that I would definitely kind of go all in for. I think you can use Nebula a good amount. Now let's go and move to our next card that is also a one cost card. And we have Howard the Duck. Now we have a lot of new cards coming. We're going to talk about all of them and our opinions. And I kind of want to give like our gut reactions and star ratings to what we think these are going to be. And then at the end, we'll kind of give like our order of priority. Hopefully you guys have been saving tokens. I hope you guys have because there's at least a couple that you're definitely going to want to use this season. Uh, Howard the Duck, initial impressions, Alex. I think it's pretty damn interesting. Like, I think this is a very fascinating card. It's one of those cards I think might be hard to put like a pinpoint number on. Like if you're going to say, Alex, from one to five, what do you give it? Like, man, I don't even know. I lean towards like a four again, which I know is like a safe, like, hey, I think it's really good, but it's not going to be broken. The reason for this is because like, think about how many times you're in a situation where you're like, they snap and you're like, 
Am I going to get my piece next turn? Am I drawing that card I need? Am I getting Silver Surfer on turn six so I can do the combo? Am I going to, am I pulling Modoc on five? Like what's happening here? And sometimes Howard the Duck's going to give you that little ability to say, okay, what's there? <laughs> I need to know what's there before, you know, we commit. But at the same time, uh, you know, I actually am not 100% sure how the mechanic's going to work. My impression is going to be that it'll actually reveal during the course of the turn. So what I just described might not actually work as I perhaps would have liked, but it's my, like, how does it work? No, you, you'll be able to tap during the turn, so you'll see what's happening next turn, and I think you were spot on. I, I don't, I don't think, mm, I think it's either going to be a two out of five or like a four, yeah, or like a four out of five. The problem with him is that he takes a spot in a 12, you know, card deck, right? And so it's like, is he going to be worth that spot? I think if you combine him with the right cards, he's a no-brainer on some decks. If you pull him late, he's a bit awkward with him and Daredevil, really good combination. Or you see Galactus coming and you're like, all right, am I going to get that Shang-Chi or am I going to get She-Hulk? Should I skip, right? Like She-Hulk being top deck is fantastic. And then obviously we just got the, the Jubilee change as well. And so now we have a really good addition to Jubilee and a, obviously another card we'll talk about. Uh, it's going to be tough to tell, but I do love what he does. And I think in tournament play, I think in Conquest, he'll definitely see a lot there. I think that's going to be his best use. Uh, but I'm not sure, man. I, I agree. I'm like, I'm on the fence. But you bring up such an amazing point about Marvel Snap that I come back to all the time is that as a 12 card game, like each, each card has to have an immense role. It has to play in like a specific role in a deck. If it's not doing something that is absolutely mandatory or required for you to pull off a victory, it's got to get cut. Like each card carries so much weight in a 12 card deck. So I think you're right. Like sometimes Howard the Duck is going to be one of those situations where it's like a nice to have, but never necessary. Like, is it going to be one of those cards that like, it's just, you make a deck, you're like, oh, I got Howard in it, but I got to put Iceman because, you know, Iceman does what Iceman does. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? I think what, I, and this is early, we'll rate him at the end, but he might be my least favorite of the new cards. Actually, he's definitely my least favorite of all the new cards because it's stiff competition. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting card. And once again, like I would kind of agree with you. He's probably on the lower side of my interest level. I mean, there's going to be one that where everyone's going to be interested in. But I do also want to say that like we're going to be talking about a card that obviously synergizes incredibly with Howard the Duck and Iron Lad too, right? So if that card's really good, then Howard the Duck's going to be really good too. So they kind of are going to share a little bit of destiny, one might say. All right, well, you just mentioned him. So that brings us to Iron Lad, the other new card coming out, one of the others. And he is a 4-6 on reveal Copy the text of your deck's top card. Alex, gut reaction. How do you feel like Iron Lad's going to be? I feel like this is going to be a card that's either a one or a five. Like it's like even wider in terms of its potential gap than uh, Howard the Duck, like we discussed prior. It's a card that I feel like if we can find the right synergies with, could be absolutely meta defining. Like in the trailer, you saw like Iron Lad playing Galactus. Like, I'm like, I did not consider that that could happen. I'm like, no, not more Galactus. Why Iron Lad? Why would you do this? But like, it makes perfect sense though. But like at the same time, if you don't have Howard the Duck, then you're just rolling the dice. Like, what are you going to get? It's, it's a fascinating card. It's truly fascinating. Dude, they keep showing Galactus in the season previews and it's like, Stop it. Stop showing Galactus. They showed him uh, with a Nimrod and this one. They're like, you can put him in your Galactus decks. I'm like, you're putting salt on the wound, Sega Dinner. And obviously, we'll talk about that on your side. But I think it's funny that they did show that and the uh, the potential. Uh, you know, I'm going to have a bold take here in, in Iron Lad. This is my most exciting card. I think High Evolution is going to be so cool, so good as well. So obviously, he's going to be right up there in what he can do and, and probably offer more like for a token standpoint. But Iron Lad... I've never seen a card with so much potential, right? Because if you think about it, right? Marvel Snap, 
If you think about all the abilities, because it's copying the text, obviously not like ongoing or on reveal. The, it's not even the potential of just abusing those abilities a couple of times, Alex. It's that he has a six power stat line. Like there's no way to make that bad, right? Like if you, <laughs> I just want to talk about some of the, we'll, we'll go through in a second and talk about the cards that I think he'll be the most busted with. But you can easily, outside of even Howard the Duck, construct a deck where Iron Lad almost always has not even like some value, but like significant value. For what it's worth, people, Cozy has never missed when he says a card's going to be broken. He called Shuri. You've done this multiple times now where you've said, like, this is the card. It's going to be broken. So now you've sold me on Iron Lad. And I told you, I said it was going to be the one or a five. Now you're like, okay, I guess it's going to be a five. Like, you're right. Like, its deck building potential is incredible. And what it can do is incredible. And its stat line is also incredible. Dude. Like, it's just... It four, can also six. troll you, though, Cozy. It could troll you. But he's a 4-6. So, like, let's say... He, okay, uh, first of all, Zappa makes him a 3-6, a too, which is even... I, I can't even put that together. He could troll you, but he's kind of in the same way of, like, those kind of... Uh, my Patriot Casino deck that we'll talk about later. Like, build the build deck to where, like, really the value's always there, right? So, like, for the most part. And then even if you whiff, dude, even if it's Iceman in your deck, okay? You just played Iceman's effect for a 4-6 stat line. The stat line's still the same as the Enchantress that we're all going raw-raw about. That's where I think he's going to be crazy, but let me let me just show you what I'm talking about and, and hype everybody up with me, because I, uh, seriously, I think this, when I was looking over the new cards, this was the one, it was the same effect with Shuri. I was like, this is going to be so much crazier, and he's just, he's not getting talked about. So, on our ongoing cards, let's just take example, a card that's doing pretty well. How about Darkhawk, yeah? Darkhawk, he's a 4-0. Well, how about you start him at a 4-6? Six? six extra power for Darkhawk's ongoing ability. And you're going to see this effect. I think it's mainly with the ongoing cards. Okay, so you have Darkhawk, craziness. Iron Man, okay, so now you have a 12, 12 power card off the rip on the location of Iron Man. All right, we can keep it going. Mystique, a 3-6 or a 4-6 Mystique and the ability that she copies. Uh, obviously, Devil Dino gets, uh, what, like a 3 power bump up. Blue Marvel uh, is going to be, what, a potential three-cost card that spreads the power. Any of the ongoing cards just seem kind of kind of silly, man. I mean, seriously, kind of silly as well as Hella. It's the stat line combined with his effect that truly kind of blows me away. You're selling me. I actually had not considered Iron Man with Iron Lad. It's, it's, they almost look the same, too. Like, it's crazy I had not made that connection, but you're absolutely right. If you have an Iron Man effect starting with a six like power like what are we even doing that's insane you are right and i never considered that before the three or four costs like if you zabu him out right and that's the thing if you look at a lot of the the four cost cards right like even if you were building kind of like a zabu based deck which i think we're kind of there's a lot out there right now that are having the effect uh, of four cost cards even better like dude even copying let's say dracula wong right white tiger any of those are you mad that there are four six and do their effect it's unbelievable like yeah white tiger's huge that's an incredible stat line considering that that tiger comes flying out which can access locations that you can't really play into it gives you a lot of flexibility there's some rng there but yeah that's an insane amount of stats for potentially three energy with a zabu on the board and then combine that with howard the duck where you can actually see what that's going to be, right? I don't know. I think he is probably the most underrated right now out of the bunch. What offsets this as well, though, is that your opponent now knows what you've drawn. Because no matter what the effect is, your opponent... I, I, I don't know how the effect works. Does it actually show the card to the opponent? Yeah. Because if it does, then like either way, like they're going to know. If they see the rock slide effect, they know the rock slide effect just happened. And rock slide yeah. coming into your hand next turn, That's right? a good point. So that's... You're scouting for your opponent. Yeah, right? so he might be better on a late 
gameplay, like a turn six. And that's where I think Howard will have a lot of his like usefulness outside of Howard then being the top card and then that like super screws you, right? But other than that, I, I think that's where he can help out a lot or, or again, turn five, turn six. But that's a good point. Maybe better like turn five or you've already snapped because you kind of have a lot of the cards and like, let's say you drew your your two one costs that are in your deck, right? And you're like, okay, it's just value. It's snapping time, like no matter what, right? So I think there's going to be that and copying Noel too. Like, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of a lot of fun things that come with him. And I'm excited to see kind of how it all plays out and like bouncing him back. And then how does that all work? It's, it's, it's going to be silly, but also incredible. I can just see how excited you are to build like the next broken deck that shatters the meta with his iron lad. Like rocks and hawks and lads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> coming out and everyone's going to be just crushing people with dark hawks and iron lads and rock slides. There's going to be rocks all over the place. There's going to be ducks quacking in the board. It's going to be wild, cozy. My son's going to love Howard the Duck. He's obsessed with ducks lately. I don't, have your kids been, are your kids obsessed with anything? Like you younger um, they're Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I actually have a friend that has a duck farm. It sounds so made up. I, it almost a sounds duck made farm? up. He has a That's whole great. bunch of ducks, like a ton of ducks. And uh, so my kids will go there and they'll play with the ducks and pet the ducks. They're actually surprisingly friendly. Okay. They'll kind of like waddle away and stuff, but like they don't really peck you. They don't get angry. You can feed them out of your hand. Like they're they're pretty docile, honestly. They're nice, and um, yeah, my my kids like ducks. Why? Yeah, I don't know. My, I was just uh, I was I'm more of asked if your kids have an obsession with anything. Mine kid was ducks. I kind of hate birds altogether. I kind of think they just oh, suck. I can see that. Like we have blue jays where I'm from, so blue jays will actually fight other birds. I watched a blue jay headbutt a squirrel off of a bird feeder. So you wouldn't know this, but Canadian geese, like they're like huge, huge bird things. They look like mini ostriches, right? Yeah, yeah. They are absolutely evil they will run at you and attack you ruthlessly for no reason whatsoever and they like they end up everywhere too like i would i used to work at a place where like they would all congregate like on a field where like the entrance of a building was and if you're walking to the building they would just start running at you and like we'd have like old ladies be like oh my god like swinging the purse around trying to fight these it's geese the best pay-per-view like of all time i mean like i would watch that on tv i mean that's that, that's but but that's why i hate them they're just they they don't they dude do I, we'd stand at the window and just watch we would watch old ladies fight canadian geese nonstop, and old ladies they don't run fast. The geese catch up. Oh my god! They catch up. I wish I could consecrate for that so badly. Just like bird fights and birds fighting people, dude. It'd be off the. There's got to be a channel for this already. There's got to be a Canadian. It sounds channel. illegal, honestly. Like if we if we started like a bird fight club, I don't know if that would do so well. I don't know if that could be monetized. When do, when would we step in? Right, like if the birds are really kicking the lady's ass, do you when when do you when do you go in there and help her out, or do you just watch her for the content? I think eventually you do have to step in like a referee in a UFC fight. You yeah, got to yeah. get in there. Got to like, you know, make sure she can, you know, she's all right. First rule about bird fight club is that we shouldn't be talking about bird fight club. So I think we need to. Uh, yeah, 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 we made a big mistake here for sure. And, uh, and, and, and guys, if you see another channel come up, that's called B BFC, then, uh, you know, subscribe, like all that good stuff. All right. We digress. High evolutionary. A four, seven folks. If you have not heard about him yet at the start of the game, unlock a secret ability of all your cards with no abilities, right? So it's going to negate the Patriot effect and the Hulk and all these cards we're about to bring up are now going to have a new ability. And I got to say, man, first of all, what a cool concept of a card. I mean, we talk about cards that impact other cards. This has got to be up there as one of the biggest. And I, I, there's just so much to unpack here, man. Initial impressions of High Evo. My initial impression is that you have to get this card because it is so just incredible of a design. Like it's one of those things, like even when I talked about when Thanos was released, like, I don't know if this card is even going to be that good. 
It was good, but like it unlocks a completely new archetype. And that's exactly what high evolutionary does. I actually had a friend just today text me, Hey, I have enough tokens for, uh, yeah, tokens for Thanos. Do I buy Thanos? I said, no, no, no. Hold out to see how high evolutionary does. Cause I think this card is gonna be legit. I think it's going to be good. I think it's a whole new mechanic. I love the idea of like conserving energy and building a deck around conserving energy. Another reason why probably sunspot shouldn't get buffed anymore. And probably as a one zero is probably just fine. Cause high evolutionary is going to be a sunspot deck in my opinion. Right? So I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting things coming out of high evolutionary. And, um, I don't know if we have confirmation if it's a big bat or not, but I might expect it to be. I feel like with his ability, it might be right. We have one other card to talk about that fits the role more, but this one I think is going to be better. So it just depends on what they decide to do. What's cool about him is that he kind of can make three different decks uh, and people are kind of missing that fact, right? So first of all, you have the pure deck of high Evo and all of those non-ability cards. Uh, by the way, all of those cards pull one and two outside of Wasp, and that's all you need to have the complete package of all those cards. Super cool there. And that's what we mean by just the value that you'll have, especially dude, going into pool three. This is like the new card to, to, to make sure you get right for the most part. Um, so you have that. And then once we break down these abilities, you guys are going to see either skipping your turns and floating energy is one path or putting negative points on the enemy side of the board through their cards is the other path. And uh, there's so many different hybrids that you can build. So let's go ahead and Alex, we're going to bring up all those no ability cards and what they do. And let's give kind of like our first impressions of those cards. And we start with the, the lower of the end here, even though Cyclops isn't on this one, but we have Wasp, Shocker, and the Thing here. So let's start with Wasp, man, and uh, a little bit of error here, but essentially two random enemy cards are going to get negative one power, not <laughs> plus one power. Uh, so that's a zero three, right? Just stat line. Not bad. I mean... My biggest example of use here would just be Lockjaw. You throw it into that lane. It does the negative effect, goes in, doesn't matter. You already got kind of a, a quick like, you know, negative three out on the board and then out comes another card or negative two on the board and then out comes another card. Also, we have the thing who it's going to be somewhat of the same ability, negative one, but it can hit the same card three times, which is also really unique. And I love that about the thing. I, I don't know if that's going to really increase his play all that much, but when you see kind of how the decks work, you know, we can, we can see his possibilities. Uh, and then shocker, which I'm, I'm kind of back and forth on shocker. Essentially his secret abilities on reveal guys, the leftmost card in your hand costs one less. Obviously this can be built to be really good and, and is the, the potential to be a free Psylocke, obviously. Right. And, and Sarah, uh, but a lot of the times, you know, if that hits your wasp or whatever, it just isn't going to be there, but you know, essentially it's what a one three at that point. I agree. My first initial impression was if that hits wasp. That's big. That's a big useless card. Right. And, uh, like shocker is a good card in just standard Patriot. I think it's a very good card. And, um, this has the Nakia effect, right? Like how often is Nakia just like a troll where you're like, ah, if it just doesn't, why is it just hitting the left side? Like yeah. I need it to hit the right side. I just need to hit something. And Nakia used to hit everything in your hand, if you remember correctly, right? Yeah. And uh, so this ability is a little weird. Yeah, well, and we'll talk about this at the end of High Evo, but I think hybrid decks will end up being the best, and especially for Shocker, man. I love the idea, like really five and six cost cards. That's the value that is tremendous with Shocker, right? Because, you know, we have Zabu for four cost. Everything else is easy to, uh, to kind of get out there. So I think that's where Shocker gets his most value. And especially when we talk about kind of these hybrid decks a bit more. Uh, now, our next set of cards is going to be uh, kind of the the a good lot of them. We have Cyclops, Misty Knight, the Hulk, and Abomination. Now, oh my god, all of these look great. So, let's start with Misty Knight. Uh, secret ability, when you end a turn with unspent energy, give another friendly card plus one power. Um, it's okay for a one-cost drop. It's not bad. 
She'll definitely have a spot. However, the question becomes is like, when do you actually float the energy? Because if you play her on one and then you play a two drop on two, she's never floating power to buff anything. She'll never buff herself because it has to be another friendly card. So I think there's a lot of deck building consideration here, which I think has to kind of be put on the forefront where, you know, I think that you like all these unspent energy cards will have to be have like, they'll have to have a deck that's designed very carefully in order to maximize that effectiveness. Absolutely, man. And then Cyclops, his secret ability is when you end a turn with unspent energy, afflict two random enemies here with negative one power. This is where everything kind of comes together. Both Hulk and Abomination are the two cards that, you know, tie all these other cards that we just talked about together. Abomination is, mm, they're both probably the, easily the best here, Hulk and uh, Abomination. His secret ability, he's a 5-9, cost one less for each enemy card in play that's afflicted with negative power. Now, this is crazy. You're going to get yourself probably a free A-bomb whenever you want and bomb them on the board. Dude, this is nutso for those negative decks. It's pretty wild. And like one thing that comes to mind here is like, how can magic be used in these lists, right? Like if you magic and you extend the games mm -hmm. to provide these cards with more opportunities to get these additional negative procs, you're, you're not floating energy on turn five. Unless, of course, Shocker hits magic, then hey, hey, look at that, right? It's magic, right? And that was a good pun, Alex. Hold good. on. I like but it. at the end of the day, though, like if you use magic and then all of a sudden you have a, a seven turn game, like there's a chance that on turn seven, like you're dropping hulk and abomination at the same time and just crushing the board state and that's not even that hard like you can even do it on turn six provided you get the right draw yeah no question i think post credit miracle is what i used to call the deck where you have you know you skip turn six you have the free she hulk hopefully moon girl that she hulk and that whole deck is built around giving up your energy anyway and so i love that idea most likely for the energy deck opposed to the negative power deck if i were to separate them but dude this is my thought okay we just had lizard and we'll talk about him here coming up. But we just had Lizard get a, a little bit of a nerf, okay? So there's already a two cost that's on the rise, Scorpion. If you hit the, the opponent's opening hand with Scorpion, you have a free A-bomb pretty much right off the bat. I mean, they have to play those cards, so that's the only kind of caveat there. But if you're having him with the other cards, simply just Scorpion in the deck is going to be like all you need with A-bomb and High Evo. Like those three and then maybe Cyclops, it, it, it seems a little wacky, yeah? It is insane. I actually had not considered that right off the bat that Scorpion would have that impact. And you're right, because it's just anything that's in play that's been afflicted with negative energy. So if there's a card in play and it's been hit with Scorpion, it might as well been hit by Misty Knight or Cyclops. It doesn't really matter. You're absolutely right. And I already thought the Scorpion was on the rise with the nerf to uh, to Lizard. And I, oh man, you're, you're, you, I think you nailed it. I think Scorpion is going to be a wild card. We're going to need a whole lot of our friend, Mr. Big, Big Muscles. You know what I'm talking Here's about. Here's my favorite two costs on our last episode. Luke Cage, man, is going to be... These two cards are going to get the most play. First of all, I want a quick from everybody, whether you're at work, your car, just a moment of silence for Cerebro decks. Just a quick moment. They're dead. With Scorpion out there, man, it's... Oof. They had a good month, man. They had a good month. They, they are going to be totally screwed with all those Scorpions. Luke Cage was my favorite card and one of my most underrated our last couple of episodes, and now this will be his month, no question, because you can both counter the opponent's A-bomb for free and negative stuff going on your side and keep yourself up and the location synergy. Uh, but yeah, Luke Cage looks really good. I think these are going to be just kind of these token cards that fit into a lot of decks now. Uh, and then guys, Hulk, right? Secret ability, he's 612. Finally, Hulk can smash, guys. Ongoing effect, plus two power for each turn you ended with unspent energy. Alex, if you skipped them all, 
which you probably want it, right? Uh, but theoretically, you can pump all of your energy to Sunspot, and then you have a She-Hulk, and you have a plus 10 power Hulk. So 22? You literally just go AFK and win the game, basically. And then they Shang-Chi and you cry. But you know what? Oh, no, they'll have turn initiative. You still just win. Hulk is where I think the, the whole post-credit miracle deck is going to come to rise. Uh, there's just going to be so much energy being floated out there. And there's other cards that take advantage of that a lot as well. I, I don't know, man. I both... So that's... Let's kind of like wrap this all up for high Evo. Will there be a deck that uses all these cards, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, think, I think we're going to see some high Evo pure decks, right? I truly think, though, the negative version or the floating version is going to be what we're going to see the most common. It, it's crazy how I think that High Evolutionary is going to unlock multiple avenues to the card. Kind of like, I mean, let's talk about Thanos for a sec, too. Like, it, Thanos has the Destroy Thanos, the ongoing Thanos, yep. had the Lockjaw Thanos. There were kind of mini archetypes within Thanos itself, which was one of the reasons why we thought it was such a fascinating card. High Evolutionary does the same thing, and I think you nailed it. We're never going to build a deck where we're using all those cards at once. It's going to be those cards as a splash-in with, I don't want to say traditional cards, but no secret ability cards that are just going to do a damn good job to activate those other ones as well, like the Sunspots and the She-Hulks. Moon, Moon Girl is going to be huge for that replication, right? I Evo, you know, here's the thing. I said Iron Lad is the one that I'm... Both of these are equal, just so insane, and that is such a good feeling. We need more cards with this amount of hype and this amount of game-changing abilities that is just going to bring a fresh take to Marvel Snap, really, in general. All before Conquest drops, man. Super stoked about High Evo, and I think he's definitely going to be the card that everybody... Uh, he, he is a no regrets, no think about it purchase, but he's going to take a little bit of time for everyone to find that best deck and, and it's going to be a wild week when he comes out, dude. So we have one last card and it's crazy to think we have uh, one more to talk about here. And if you don't know, the Living Tribunal is one of the, the biggest characters in Marvel, one of the most powerful. I think he's like second on the line. There's like the one above all else I think is above him a little, little rough there. I don't even know how he'll ever come into like MCU stuff. Uh, he's a 6-4 and he has an ongoing effect split your total power evenly amongst all locations initial impressions alex go it seems like a wild card it seems like an absolutely wild card that can do a ton of damage to the meta but at the same time i think it also is pretty balanced as a six four if you consider what six drops can do to this game it means that like again i've talked about this on this podcast where i said that i like the idea of making turns one through five matter I like the idea of having high impact plays on turns one and two so that like when the game starts to kind of fully form, you're able to use the living tribunal to really showcase how much power you've put on the board. I like that. I like, I think it's a fascinating card. I think the fact that it's an ongoing is unique because it does provide some counterplay. You can't just electro it out or, you know, jubilee it out or anything like that and not risk it getting absolutely clapped up. I think that's kind of important. Um, it's a fascinating card. Definitely fascinating. Card. One through five. What do you give it? I mean, my initial, I don't want to say four again, but I, my initial impression is probably a four. Uh, the fact that it's a six drop, I think kind of limits its ceiling because you're going to have to use wave to get out something like, uh, you know, an onslaught so that you can then Iron Man. But if you've just onslaughted Iron Man onto a location to play Living Tribunal, what's your turn six look like, right? Like, I think there's like a cap on its power as a six drop, which I think is kind of fascinating. Yeah, when I was kind of preparing everything for the show here, I think initial impressions, you see this, and you're like cracked, broken. High Evo, crazy. And then once I kind of dived into the cards, that's what kind of skyrocketed Iron Lad. And it made me come to Earth with Living Tribunal. I actually don't love it. I think it's and it's crazy because I've, I, I've thought it's a good card for a while now. But the more I read into it, four power turn six, it surely is going to have to almost be in a ramp deck. You know what it feels like to me? It's kind of like Mr. Negative. 
when he pops, he's going to pop. And when he doesn't, he's going to he's gonna be what he does. I think he's a lot like Galactus, very unique. I think his best role is a surprise card, right? Like you kind of hide him in a deck and then all of a sudden you're not winning and you're like, well, if I do the math, boom, and you, you split it. Uh, but dude, but now he is an ongoing as well. And so, I don't know. Like, obviously, yeah, if you cheat him out early, Enchantress is going to be everywhere now. I, it, to me, he seems super fun on paper. I think there are going to be wacky, wacky games with him. Dude, like uh, Mojo World? What is that? What is that? 100 power? It's split across, right? So, like, there's going to be wacky games with him as well. Uh, and maybe things like Iron Lad can work with him or whatever if you do that as well. Uh, but yeah, like, I think the Onslaught and the Iron Man, all that craziness sounds really cool. But will it execute? I think the devs know what they're doing. I don't know. I, I, I'm not so thrilled as I once was. It's, it's a fascinating discussion because like, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's a card that like, we can't fully understand until we get our hands on it and start testing it. Like a couple thoughts cross my mind. First, is it going to have a very predictable play pattern, kind of like Galactus? You know when Galactus is coming, right? Does Living Tribunal have that? Because it's essentially a vertical zoo card. You go extremely vertical in a lane, but it actually zoos out wide, right? So is there going to be a play pattern that kind of showcases that, right? Is it going to be, I don't know, is it going to be Mojo into something else? I don't know. I'm just trying to make a garbage up, but like yeah. Devil Dinosaur, Darkhawk. Like who knows what kind of super vertical cards you get. But at the same time, it doesn't mean you can't play cards in the other lanes, right? Because you still can. But at the end of the day, it can be hard to determine how this card is actually going to impact the meta because like as an ongoing card, and a lot of the ongoing cards are the ones that really try to ramp up power-wise, Enchantress just got buffed. Is this kind of the answer to it? Because like I don't know if just dropping Living Tribunal as a surprise card on 6 is going to be enough. You know where I think he's going to work the best, and I'm giving away some of my strats here. I don't really care. I always give them away. Uh, the two decks I like, I think Junk Decks are going to work a lot because you need to you need to clog the opponent's side to where they can't get a lot of power across the lanes. That's where it's going to work the best. I think our head goes to like big power, which is sure, all that's great. But I think it's going to be those decks where like you prevent your opponents from putting out power and then you pump out your own power. And then even if it's like 12 across the board, whatever, right? They can't match that. I think possibilities there. Iron Lad, Iron Man, Iron Man, Onslaught, that kind of stuff is going to be a little nutty too. Uh, the deck design is going to be specific, which makes me feel like it's a little bit like Mr. Negative. I guess maybe in a Mr. Negative deck with like Black Panther, Shuri, Wong, that's where you can get some good stuff going. And it's also worth noting here that this circumvents a lot of the troublesome locations as well. There's going to be locations Ooh. like Altar of Death and Sanctorum and stuff that, like you just can't play into. And it's one of the reasons why Mr. Fantastic is such a good card. Like this is basically a turn six Fantastic. In a different way, obviously. Yep. I'm calling it now super high cube rate, really low win rate. I think that's how he's going to work out, just like Mr. Negative. The games he wins, he'll do great. The games he doesn't. Or uh, as an alternate card, just as a card that you can play, like let's say in your high Evo deck, you have the turn six skip, things didn't work out. You're like, you know what? I'll just play a She-Hulk and him, end it, it's over. Uh, maybe that's where he fits in. The thing that I want to go back to here is the idea that like we talked about this in one of our first episodes of the Snapchat where like we we're talking about strategies, winning, snapping and stuff like that. And it always came back to the idea that you only have to win two lanes in Marvel Snap, right? You win two lanes, you win the game. And so understanding that Living Tribunal tries to win three lanes, right? And sometimes that's not ideal. Splitting your power across all three lanes is not always ideal when a game where you win two, you win the game. What are you ranking them, right? Like one through four, what are you... I, I would say for myself, it would be... Probably for the public, High Evo, Iron Lad, Tribunal, 
And then the duck. I would definitely say High Evo number one, Iron Lad number two, mm-hmm. uh, Living Tribunal three, Howard the Duck four. Assuming that they're all sixes, right? They're they're all six thousand tokens, right? So okay, a lot of obviously a lot of time here on that subject. We took down the the graphic. We have Doctor Doom representing the state of the meta and underrated decks. We're gonna be quick uh, through these kind of subjects just because of all the time we did spend on the on the preview. Uh, but Alex, I don't know about you, man. I feel like. Even though there are some hated cards at the moment, obviously Galactus, right? Sandman was. This is a really, really good meta and a very undiscovered one at the moment. I feel like it's still wide open. There are so many competitive decks at the moment. How do you feel? I feel like this is the best the meta has been in a very long time. When almost any deck can be competitive or any deck can catch your opponent by surprise because there's just so much going on right now, I think that's a really positive thing. Um, I do think there's a couple of liars still. I do think I'm seeing way more Galactus than I should be. That's one thing that we'll discuss later on as well. But overall, like just as a kind of, kind of like that 100-foot glancing view of the meta, like I think it's the best it's ever been. I think the over-the-air updates are doing exactly what they've advertised. They're shaking things up. They're shaking things up fast. Like every week, it's a lot cozy. They're better. It's better than I thought. I thought we were going to get like a crystal PowerPoint or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but then you have Enchantress getting two power. You know what? We're going to just combine these two topics. Why not? Right? Because I think they kind of go hand in hand very well, both the balance patch overview and this, because they tie together a lot, right? Enchantress is where we have to start, right? Because I feel like she is the one that's going to be affecting a lot of our meta conversation. I don't know if she lasts at six power because to me that sounds bonkers. Five power is still a lot and still crazy because of uh, now going on months that I made this video of Sarah Miracle. Sarah Control decks obviously is at a really good place and with Hitmonkey already a good place and then you put Enchantress here. Now, I love that they did it. Ongoing had a bit too much of a presence even though yes, Shang-Chi, those cards were out there, right? Uh, but you can have, you know, an eight power uh, Darkhawk and, and Devil Dino. I, I I love it because it puts Enchantress back into decks and it creates that fear a little bit. The fear of Enchantress is extremely important. It does a couple things. First of all, it provides counterplay towards all those ongoing cards of Devil Dino Hawk. Uh, you know, you have the uh, the Sarah plays as well. But Sarah's tricky. It goes on a five when you're going to play Enchantress on six on a Sarah. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's more for the Dark Hawks, I think. Like, like Rocks and Hawks, I think, is targeted specifically. Ruthless. They went after you, Cozy. They went after me. They went after you. Yeah. They said, no, Cozy, you can't do this. You can't do this to the meta with your super high win rate percentage tournament decks that just everyone uses to infinite. How dare you do that? It kills me, man. I Again, first of all, it kills me that... Uh, listen, guys. Devil, Dino, Hawk. I, I don't know what deck that is. I've seen it on Twitter. It is Rocks and Hawks. It's been there since January. All right. I love the name, but it is, it's is—it's taken a hit, man. But what I will say is it's still okay because of the, the variance play. And, guys, Cosmo solves that issue a lot of the time. You just have to be... I think for the general player, it makes the deck a lot worse. It, 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 it changes it somewhat for people that have used the deck a lot, though. You kind of brought up that you thought that uh, Enchantress was almost too strong. You can see her being dialed back to 4-5. I would be surprised because like, I do think, listen, I know I sound crazy. We're so used to Enchantress being a 4-4. And like, it was still good. And actually, we're talking about underrated decks. I had a Silver Surfer deck where I was playing Enchantress, okay, because of the prevalence of uh, Rocks and Hawks, Patriot. It was a 4-4. I was playing it on turn 4. And um, I had a 69% win rate over like a lot of games with that deck. It's one of the ones that took me to infinite talk about underrated deck. Okay. And that was before the buff. I, when it got buffed, I was like, seriously, this is like yep. one of my sleeper cards. Yep. And like the buff, I was like, you know what? 
I think that this card is not only even better than it was before, but now that fear factor is going to take something like rocks and hawks out of the meta. So now I, I don't, I don't need Shang-Chi anymore because like Shang-Chi was being used to knock out the, the, those devil dinosaurs and those dark hawks. It opens up the meta in a way where like, you're going to see the play rate of Shang-Chi come down because now people aren't going to be running as high with the devil dino hawk lists. Well, dude, it was a 50% play rate of Shung and 8% of Enchantress before the change. And that's where the change needed to happen. I think 4-5 will still have them both kind of brought up to an even level. I think uh, our, our guy Glenn has been killing it here. Glenn, I think, has even addressed this, that they had to do this a week out because then they have proper testing and then like Super Scroll Patriot kind of rose up and then they're like, well, damn, maybe we should have had it as a 4-5. And I think it'd be cool to see if they do dial it back because then we truly see OTAs doing their thing, right? Like, they tested it out and it was a little too much. So they scaled it back as long as people don't have hurt feelings uh, about it. And, and, and I'll say it here for those that are listening. I get comments all the time on these on these uh, update videos like they nerfed too much. I hated it. I think it is, I would rather this than a stale meta or one where the same decks kind of rain in and like they address Sandman so quickly, man. And, and we'll get to him here in a second. But I love that initiative there. Right. And, and kind of the targeting of cards that you know, people aren't, aren't crazy about. Uh, but yeah, dude, Enchantress in a very, very good spot. We'll see if she lasts, but her impact on the meta is definitely here. Um, but Alex, with that, if I were to ask you right now, what are your top top three decks that aren't Galactus? Go. Uh, Sarah Miracle Monkey, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And uh, for me as well, it's, it's Modoc Discard, which is wild. They're not being played at all. Uh, there, there are two that I took to Infinite this season. And uh, both of which I think have incredible win rates. I mean, my discard deck was running near 70%. My Sarah surfer list uh, was running 69%. My, um, my Sarah miracle list with, uh, with hit monkey was running about 70 something percent, 75% for most of the stream that I was doing it. It's incredible what those decks can do, especially when people aren't really expecting them. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things where like, as long as you really focus on a deck and like you say, okay, you know what? This is a deck that I like playing. This is a deck that I believe is competitive. Once you learn the ins and outs of it, that's what I love about your videos, by the way, the turn by turn stuff that you do, nice. because that stuff's so important. And if you don't have a game plan turn by turn, or if you're experimenting with a new deck or you're picking up a deck that like, you know, Binks was playing or Snapster was playing and like, you know, you haven't figured out that turn by turn strategy yet. And then you miss pilot, even in small ways. You can find yourself underperforming. And then as you play, like you play your first 10 games, you're like, well, I have a 15% win rate. This deck sucks. But then the next 10, as you start to iron out those turn by turns, suddenly that win rate creeps up, up higher yep. and higher. And you start to see how these decks can truly perform. Yeah, we've talked about it before, but the biggest mistake I see is people will lose a game. They'll switch a deck. They'll lose two more. They'll switch a deck and they keep losing because you're playing new decks each time. You're not even giving yourself a chance to, to really master the playstyle. Why Rocks and Hawks was the easiest video I've ever made is because I played a billion games with it. I knew every single way to play that deck out, right? And that's what really made it a great deck for me. But if I were to give it to someone else, it takes time. It takes time to learn it. Uh, the decks you mentioned, yeah, I think those are all really good. Patriot right now, I think is no matter what type of Patriot deck you build, it's in a good spot because of what it can do. It, it can go tall. It can go wide. It has surprise factor. It has ongoing. Uh, it's got everything going for it. It has Cosmo to prevent things. Even with Enchantress, I still think it's a, a very solid deck, right? Uh, Sarah Control, Monkey, all that in there is really good as well. Uh, but that's what's cool, man. You know, you have balanced decks in there. But I would say Control in general. I think Control is, is severely underrated. And we have underrated on the topic here. And, and, and as the two decks that I want to kind of laser in on, or, or maybe three here, as underrated decks, I think it nailed it. 
by far, I, I don't, I think it might be because it's so linear to play, maybe a little predictable. Alex, there's no question that Discard is the most disrespected archetype in Marvel Snap. And it's not even close. Like, Discard is such... Now, for three, se four seasons, we've been talking about this since February, for sure. But even going back uh, before that, Discard is such a good archetype, man. It's so underrated. Uh, why do you think it is? I, I don't know, because it's a good deck. I think there's this idea that discard is an RNG deck that like just is frustrating and that like you you just leave it all to like Lady Luck and there's no skill and there's there's all these negative things around discard. And I think it comes back to the idea of like Hella discard, for instance, and, like all the negativity around like like Hella used to be totally broken and now it can be one of the most tilting decks out there. But ultimately, I think that the tools of discard, specifically with Lady Sif and Colleen Wing, those are very controlled discard cards. And we've talked at at nauseum about how the Morbius Wolverine. Pauline wing combo is the best turn two combo in the entire game. Yep. Like really like those combination of cards can put out so much power so immediately. And uh, it's just, it's way more reliable, especially with MODOK than people are giving it credit for. And MODOK has come down in series as well. It's what MODOK did. It is really what MODOK did because now you're able to like get an eight power presence on the board, build up your apocalypse, get swarms out there, calling wing and her value. It's really what he did, I think by himself, but we're seeing stature decks come out right now because People are getting stature a bit more, and you obviously have your traditional MODOK discard. I think personally, pure discard-wise, the MODOK one is is clearly the best and and the most underrated at the moment. It's wild. It's unbelievable. My win rate, as I said, was like seventy five percent with it. I can that this is like this is high nineties. Like I I took this deck, deck to infinite. Like it was just crushing everybody. And at the time, this was like a week ago. No one was talking about discard. I was like, guys, I just released a video about it. I'm like, this deck is insane, and no one's talking about it. Yeah. Right? It has everything. It, it like it even counters if you include something like Storm. You take out like a Swordmaster. You include Storm. It really kind of counteracts some play with Galactus because they just run out of space. Yep. Like there's nowhere where they can play. Like that kind of location denial is huge. Yep. And like I just kept winning games. And Modoc does what Hellcow did, but way better and way more reliably. Hundred percent. And you just brought up Storm, and that brings me to Control, which is the other uh, playstyle that I think is severely underrated at the moment. And it's because of Galactus and all the decks out there. Professor X closing down a lane messes up Sarah decks and it messes up Galactus decks. Daredevil reading in, you can see exactly what they're doing. Storm for locations, Juggernaut. Right now with Jeff the Shark, this is probably my favorite archetype to play. The one that I personally will talk about in your section of our infinite decks. Both Control and Discard, I'm having a premier kind of ultimate deck guy coming out for. I'm both excited about, a I'm excited about both of them because there's so much there that's just not being played at the moment. And we're seeing like combinations of two of them, right? Stature control decks right now are kind of floating out in the meta. Now to end it here, we'll finish up the OTA talk, but I also want to say, I also think people are just like, for whatever reason, still sleeping on Thanos. Guys, if you bought Thanos, he's not a bad card. His win rates statistically are through the roof still. He still works really well. Just the utility of his stones alone, dude, I, I, I think he's slept on at the moment. Yeah, you're seeing a couple of iterations of Thanos right now. You're seeing like the destroyed Thanos, which is kind of popular. The ongoing Thanos is really popular. You're seeing Spectrum and Thanos list now. Like it's kind of wild what you're seeing. And I really like where it's at. And the idea that Thanos is not like so meta relevant that every time you queue into someone with Thanos, you're like, oh, no, this guy's playing Thanos yeah. again, right? 
you're taking people by surprise now. Like it's a much lower popular uh, popularity wise in terms of a deck. So like it gives you more room to experiment and people are less prepared for the Thanos style gameplay, which I think elevates the win rate a little bit. Yep. hundred percent. And to close on the decks that we think are in the meta guys, I think uh, are underrated with that guys. Hey, sure. He's not dead. Sure. not dead. She actually feels pretty good right now and not in the place where if someone's playing Sherry, you're just ripping your hair out. Definitely went down, but again, the stats are still there. If you have Sherry, you're losing. Vision, try it out. Really good still. But as far as the OTAs and to wrap up this section of combining them here, we had the following cards get a little touched up, which we talked about Enchantress, but Shauna, Lizard, and Sandman. Now, Sandman, I feel like, uh, did it change his play style all too much? I feel like they did pretty good there. He's still going to beat the decks that he's going to beat, but at the same time, you know, Five power was just a wee bit too much, Alex. And it brought him out of his play rate, which I think was the most important thing, right? Like, sure, he's still good, but when the adjustments happen, people stop playing her. And I think Sandman kind of got a similar effect because he was by a large margin the most played deck uh, on the way to infinite, especially towards the end. But Shauna, have you, do you have Shauna? You know what? I've had it pinned in my shop forever. I'm holding on to like 50 reserves. So I was like, you know what? When High Evil comes out, I'm going to just blow up all my reserves at once try and see if i just get them for free because i don't know why i'm obsessed with hoarding tokens for some reason but uh, i know shauna i this is a card that i've been talking about like i'm like i've been wanting to experiment with this card i've been i said months ago that i think this is an amazing turn six card now it's a four four. Oh my gosh this card looks like it is damn good i mean damn can, good cozy I, I might just buy it dude it's it's damn fun and pretty damn good it, it, it there's times where you'll be like what no bast and blade there goes my infinite discarded than the ba-. but like the better you you get more often better interactions than worse interactions and you're right it's usually on turn six when the board fills up and you can't have like an iron fist spawn and then it pushes it over i love shauna man i do i think dragula dump is underrated at the moment another deck that i would say in the underrated section just made a huge guide on it shauna is now a, a dr doom and the 410 is an average man but I got to say, when you when you land an Ebony Maw and a, and a Titanium, these bigger numbers, combined with Kazar, it's past 410, it is a Doctor Doom. You are getting to locations that are hard to reach. Her in pure zoo, in my opinion, is not where to use her, but her in decks where Kazar it, it belongs either way is it, it, perfect. I surprised Ultron had her with a Patriot deck before the buff. Great, right? Now it's going to kind of work even more. Yes. The idea that she has four power now does allow you to play her more confidently on turn four. And it's like, you're right. It's rare that like Ebony Maw comes out and completely shuts down a lane. But even if it does, it's turn four. It lands in a lane. That Ebony Maw lane does have an additional seven power now. Like it might just be enough anyways. I think it's a fascinating card. And uh, like, I'm really looking forward to experimenting with it. She makes Zoo more fun. It's just funny comparing her as a forecast now to like Iron Lad. And <laughs> like, the, those are just so much better cards. But still, she's more competitive. Uh, and then lastly, man, we might as well talk about Lizard. Talk about nailing a nerf, bro. They nailed it here. Your Lizard does the same thing. He is a priority captain. He can lose that priority. But Luke Cage works with him still. He's still two F and five, right? Still amongst one of the better two costs in the game. But now he's not the auto include. I feel like it was the exact same touch up as Sunspot got. Yes. And one thing that's worth noting is that the Glenn had mentioned that like this was the softest nerf they'd ever done. And I was like, I don't know if it's the softest nerf they've ever done. I think if this is a two one, man, that feels horrible. Like a two one for lizards, pretty rough. However, it does then kind of force your opponent to kind of answer to that lizard. It provides more incentive to answer to that lizard. So then maybe lizard's doing exactly what it was designed to do. If you're attracting all that attention to that location while attacking other spots on the uh, on the board, right? So 
I think Lizard's in a very fascinating spot. It's a very interesting card in the, from the perspective that like that negative four power is going to be what the enemy wants to uh, achieve. Yep. No. Did you bait them with it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ba baiting is happening now more and more. And I think that he's going to fit in. And then, dude, just <laughs> him and Enchantress together is, is crazy. It's six power, 11 or six energy, 11 power. Talk about like Sauron uh, decks and then zero decks too. Uh, just getting better and better. So really think that they did probably the uh, it was the first official one. They did the other one the, the week before. This is it, they nailed it. 10 out of 10 uh, on what they did adjust and excited for the next couple of uh, weeks ahead. I don't know if we're getting one next week. I forgot how it works with the, the patch day, right? Or whatever, since it's the season pass. But either way, man, really like what they've done. And, and I think going into Conquest, we have so much meta to figure out before June, man. Uh, sign me up. It's going to be a good two months. You're right. There's going to be the next OTA update before we even understand what this meta is. Yep. Like, it's crazy how fast things are moving in Marvel Snap. It keeps it fresh, that's for sure. And guys, Nebula is out later tonight as watching this video and i'm telling you it's gonna be a killer season cozy what is your favorite mcu movie oh i like this one especially with the guardians galaxy um dude it's gotta be thor the dark world yeah i mean that's garbage Whoa, no I, <laughs> that is a controversial opinion the chat comments going insane already i couldn't even i couldn't even get it out it felt like i was vomiting uh that out no i would <laughs> say probably uh, like infinity wars like the token ends it's too easy to say that it's so good right uh, man, really like Ragnarok. Uh, hard not to love Ragnarok. Original Iron Man is what got me in love with Marvel. So those would be probably the the two. The original Iron Man actually holds up really well because I watched it recently as I'm watching through my MCU stuff yeah. and uh, it does hold up really good. So that's a big pick. I'm going to go with, uh, honestly, Winter Soldier. Oh, We've yeah. talked about it before. It's so good. Like I, It is so unbelievably good, Winter Soldier. There's so many different layers to it. The whole Nick Fury thing is so good. Oh, man, Winter Soldier. The music, Soldier. everything about that is... And that's I would say that's also like up there with Infinity War of like probably the most chosen favorites, per se. For good reason. For good reason. They're so good. The first Guardians 2, I almost considered like a standalone it's just it's just so incredible in itself that's what i love about marvel though like so many good movies and shows are coming out of it yes they miss but the ones they hit are fantastic what about the newer ones give me like your favorite newer marvel oh man you got me by surprise i liked captain marvel which i know some people didn't really that's like controversial, I liked captain yeah. marvel mm -hmm. i liked captain marvel i thought that was a pretty good one uh quantum mania like i had fun watching but like, I don't think it was good. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Like, yeah. I was like, this is a fun movie, but this is not a good movie. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Like, I don't know how to explain Quantum Mania, but like, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it was good. Not like Winter Soldier good. Yeah, I think Shang-Chi Man might be my favorite new one. I, the, the, like, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Shang-Chi? It's great. Not yet, not yet. Oh, it's so good. There's a fight scene on a bus that blew me away. There's times where like, you, you it takes you out of the movie and you're like, how did they record this? <laughs> like, this is so good. Yeah. Uh, this is so well done. But yeah, Shang-Chi would be one that I would recommend. I just realized, okay, this is not technically MCU, but Spider-Man Into the Multiverse has got to be oh, one no, of my that's, absolute favorite as well. definitely. Oh, Into the Multiverse. Yeah, that one's so good. I think you meant uh, No Way Home. I was like, that's definitely MCU, which is also up there as a top movie. But yeah, but yeah oh, so good. And they, they just have the new one. Dude, there's just a lot. Like I said, there's definitely some not good Marvel movies, which what would be your least favorite? My least favorite, man. Doctor Strange, I liked, but I was like, eh, I don't know. No, Quantumania. I Doctor Strange. I, okay. I said I liked, but I, it wasn't like, it wasn't like on the next level. Uh, Thor Dark World was hard to watch. Okay. Um, I, okay. Iron Man, was it one or was it two or three was weak? The one with uh, the guy with the electric arms. Oh, two. I like two better than I liked three. 
Really? I was like the the, the later Iron Man's. I was like, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, it's it's tough. There's definitely ones that like just completely whiff, uh, but other ones are really good. Also, Black Panther for one of the best ones. Like, good gosh. Oh yeah. The OG Black Panther again, just standalone masterpiece, right? Wakanda Forever was good, but that one. Uh, incredible. There's your random topics, though, of today. At least it's kind of Marvel-focused, man. But we're going to be having kind of like a little dip into the meta here because we're going to be talking about what we took to Infinite this season. Now, both of us are Infinite players, and um, our decks, I feel like, are often very kind of... Um, unique in the sense that I think both of us love deck crafting. We'll often lean towards cards that might be underplayed, underutilized, but then there's the other side of us. We want to make content and deck design that is like accessible to more players. So we're going to have a couple of niche lists that we use to get to infinite. We're also going to have a little more, uh, you know, kind of wide ranging list that I think more people can kind of uh, broadly play. So cozy, I want you to hit me with one of the decks that you took to infinite this season. You know, Alex, I like that you brought up both niche and then like good decks, right? Obviously uh, not a big spoiler here. Uh, Rocks and Hawks. I, I took that one up really quickly up. I, again, it's the play pattern that I know so easily that it just takes me there quick enough to, to get the job done. I can build some more fun decks and kind of experiment and not worry about the sweat per se. But as far as the niche decks, I've made videos on two of them and I've got other decks that I uh, haven't made videos on quite yet. Uh, but Patriot Casino, both the decks I'm going to bring up that are niche were designed before the OTA to target both Sandman and Galactus. Super Scroll was on the rise. Debris was in the deck. Great way to kind of conquer Galactus. Super Scroll for the Null. And then you had ways to put out big power, both tall and wide. Uh, so had a lot of fun, Alex, with creating a deck that uses Patriot in a much different fashion. I don't know if you uh, got to test this one out uh, at all, but you guys can go find the whole list and video and everything on how the deck plays. Still does really well. It just was more targeted again, for Galactus and Sandman. The deck is actually fantastic. I loved piloting it. I think you hit like the Zeitgeist perfectly. Uh, Super Scroll was being kind of underutilized. And then like this just allowed Super Scroll to really shine. And what's kind of sad is the buff to Enchantress. I feel like it might've killed Super Scroll a bit. Like I think it might've taken some of the the gusto out of uh, Super Scroll's moment there, but it was like a week or two where Super Scroll was like a really legit card. And uh, I was happy to see it, honestly, as someone who's going to have a first edition badge on my Super Scroll. Yeah, that used to resent it so much. And now look at you shine with your 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 shiny Super Scroll that's kicking butt and taking names. This is Hunt for Power Knoll. Made this like a long time ago and it just got even better with how Hitmonkey works and Beast. And just the Iceman being one of the best cards in the game right now to target all those ramp cards. Sandman runs so high, so it's easy to target Sandman and Wave and Electro. And at the same time, you have Yondu to just kill their deck and get intel. You have Null to counter Galactus, and you can go tall with She-Hulk and Death against those Sandmans. Again, these decks were way better before the OTAs, but still, uh, they're pretty solid, Alex. Uh, these would kind of be kind of my more niche decks that I immediately took up, and they're, dude, they're a lot of fun. I, I thought Kill Bounce was some of the most fun I've had. Both those decks are some of the most fun I've had with decks in Snap in a long time. I love how you integrate Null into so many decks. You've been such a Null believer and Null truther. And like, they're just, it's just being played in Galactus. And oh, you're playing it in everywhere except Galactus, which like, honestly, guys, can we not give Cozy a hand for this? Like, Cozy has been nonstop playing Null in creative ways, whereas so many people think it's been pigeonholed into Galactus. So just kudos to you, Cozy. Oh, I did appreciate it. I, I try, I, I did make a Sherry deck guide and I made Galactus, but before he was the, the poison that people claim him to be right now. I appreciate it, man. I think there's cards that get pigeonholed so much in this game and they have so much other viability and ways to, to get them going. Dude, you bounce back Yondu and Falcon, Falcon him back a couple times. Uh, your Null is going to have that power. It's when you try to do too much with Null, like Arnim Zola. That's when things can get a little bit wonky with him, per se. 
But those were the more the more niche decks, and then I have the more meta ones, and I have one more. But tell me about a niche deck that you've been using, Alex. I call it Flex Control. It's all about utilizing control mechanics with flexibility. Yep. So the idea of having something like an Iceman, like you alluded to prior, which can definitely take out, you know, those ramp cards that can really affect even uh, Sarah Monkey base lists, like, you know, those combo-centric pieces. But I love the idea of Jeff. I think Jeff is an amazing card. I think it's probably one of the best two uh, costs in the game right now with the nerf to lizard uh, and the thing i've been loving with this deck list honestly cozy is rescue into either professor x or hobgoblin because that is such a huge delta in power rescue hobgoblin is something that people are not expecting they yeah. do not see coming and with that uh, daredevil on the board which is still one of my favorite cards in the game cozy it does damage i gotta tell you dude i like that because rescue's biggest fault and i'll be honest man i try a lot of combos i, I don't know if i've done hob into rescue but what I love about that is that if they Shang-Chi rescue, which is the biggest fault, it doesn't matter. They're still sitting at negative five power on the other side of the board. So it kind of gets rid of that like potential danger there. And, and I love what, listen, man, control, you're talking to my heart here, right? Like, <laughs> I, know. I know. That's why I led with this one. I know you'd like it. Uh, and I knew Jeff would bring back control, but I just love that so many people are playing it now. Convince me though. What in the hell is Hulkbuster doing here instead of like Shang-Chi or some other cards? Okay, so first of all, I sometimes when I design lists, I want to design something that is a little unique to take a card that's not being used and like see if I can make it work. And Hulkbuster was exactly that. Now, for those that don't even know what Hulkbuster does because they've never seen it, uh, it merges with a card at a friendly location. And the reason why I think this is valuable is because it merges with Jeff on curve which I think is awesome. So I would play Nightcrawler or Jeff into its own location to make sure that I have the 100% hit, uh, chance to hit that Hulkbuster. When Jeff's sitting as a 2-7, like that is a lot of power. That's a lot of like, I get to move this wherever I want yeah. power, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, the Hulkbuster on Jeff is a very natural synergy, which also just gives me the opportunity to just win the game in a very flexible mobile way and uh, it also makes like in situations where I don't have uh, you know professor when I don't have daredevil professor x it gives me more confidence in those turn five plays knowing that I have a jeff as a seven drop yep I, and one thing I think you do really well Alex is you build uh, decks and cards for turn purpose right like you're really good at making a turn five valuable right and not just hoping for a five cost but maybe you do jeff and, and hulkbuster and that's how you use your five cost there right so I think you do a great job there and control is now starting to have so many cards that work with Professor X, it's bonkers, right? Negasonic, you could throw on the list as well. As you said, Rescue, Daredevil, the Hobgoblins. There's a lot there. And then Jeff, man. And I got to tell you, as a Professor X player, man, I hate that Jeff's out there now because I'm like, okay, I'm winning by two. I love that Jeff's out there. <laughs> it's scary, man. It's scary. Yeah. The shark. I think part of my love for Jeff is the, the Ryan Gonzalez uh, variant. It is so beautiful. And uh, like, I, I was like, is it crazy to think that? Okay, like we we joked about it before, but I think the popularity of Jeff is half because the card's so cute. Oh, like I think question. the variant is selling the card. Without question. Like just the art, everything about Jeff the shark is just selling the card. Like it's it's a good card now, by the way. I, I stand beside the fact that I think that it is legit one of the best two drops in the game right now. Besides Scorpion, right? Besides still Lizard. Lizard is still good. Okay, let's not forget that. But I think Jeff is like really legit. And when it comes down into series four and series three, people are going to get hyped up. Like I, this is going to be a card that's going to be in a lot of decks. Yeah. What's great about this list too, is it answers Sandman. So these lists are starting to be created with Miles Morales and Stature. 
Uh, and the reason because is because it's a faux Sarah deck, right? You're getting the same value as long as you get the couple things to pop off and you can have the same kind of dumping of the hand turn six. But with this deck, you have Jeff that can kind of work around that a little bit and your Professor X is going to like stop Dr. Doom and stuff like that. So uh, I do enjoy the list that you have going on here and it's it, it's cool to see cards like Miles. Like, dude, I finally get to use this Miles Morales and I swear to God, this is easily my most upvoted card and it's not even like that unique. A lot of people have it, but this is one of my most upvoted cards that I have in my deck when people see it and I never get to use it. I never get to use Miles and it's so cool to use it now. So love the unique deck, man. Uh, but what about one of the more meta decks? Okay, so I got two really meta relevant ones for you. Okay. Uh, the first is going to be Modoc Discard. And yep. once again, I'll throw it up on the screen here. Uh, Modoc Discard is a very classic archetype that honestly I thought was being slept on. I was playing it and I was like, guys, I was making video guides about it. I was like, this is this deck's being slept on. No one was playing it. Cozy, Modoc 212 is happening all the time. And people like don't talk about Modoc, uh, not Modoc, sorry. Morbius, yeah, yeah. I, I Morbius, get what you're I meant yeah, Morbius still... the entire time. You guys knew what I meant. Yeah, and even if he's predictable, it doesn't matter. It's still freaking that much power. And then if they want to use Enchantress, like so be it. That's a big waste in a sense on a two cost card where you could be using it somewhere else. Dude, 100% agree. I feel like discard players are the same as Galactus in the sense of when I play discard player, they have like nine crackles, five inks, and like two golds because they've never shifted. And there's good reason. It was matching almost Shuri's win rate, but under the radar. With discard right now, like you, when you run a Modoc list, Cozy, you don't need to run the frustrating discard cards. You don't need Blade. You don't need Swordmaster. You just don't need them. You run Colleen Wing, which has a reliable effect. You run Lady Sif, which has a reliable effect. You run Dracula, which has a, well, not as reliable effect, but you have Modoc, which is the ultimate reliable effect. Yep. You have... Apocalypse just sitting there with a Chavez that actually gets played. Can you imagine a deck cozy where you're like, I'm actually going to play Chavez and I'm not upset about it. That's exactly what discard does. Yeah, it's combining all these great cards together. Like Calling Wing is the best value at two costs when you look at Swarm and Wolverine. You've got Dracula, who's just always been bonkers, uncounterable, right? Incredible card. And then Apoc, the only thing that was hurting Apoc a little bit was Leech. And then they kind of, you know, Leech has made his way out, right? So... 100% agree. Discard's incredible. Love the pick. It definitely is a meta deck. Yeah. And the next one we'll talk about here is, okay, this is the one that closed me out to infinite when, uh, you know, I was battling. I was like nine rank 98 and everyone's going as sweaty as they can. I'm like, oh yeah, I got a deck for you. And it is Sarah Monkey Control. Because when it comes right down to it, Cozy, right on the screen, you're going to see that Sarah Monkey Control is, uh, you know, it just puts up so much power with some cards that are really on the rise. You have Angela Bishop and Mysterio. Those three cards are wild. And of course, with Hitmonkey, those four cards, <laughs> the amount of power they put up, it's just insane. And people are still having difficulty accounting for that four power of Mysterio. Can you imagine what it would be like, Cozy, if, if Mysterio was still five power? Dude, I know, and, and it's again, like we, we've said this before, but we like doubt the devs and what they do sometimes, and it's like, God, have they nailed it on a couple things, as well as the Quinjet, <laughs> man. Like, God, dude, Quinjet could not exist and where it was, right? Like, not even remotely. And, and, and I agree, man. I It was the first video I made after Hitmonkey season came out, and the deck was, uh, my focus, everyone was doing a Darkhawk one, which I get it, man. Darkhawk, man, he's my boy. Love him. But you don't even need... Pool four or five cards. You can just use the staples. And this deck, this is at the time, right? Uh, Enchantress got better. And I think this is uh, very similar to the one that you popped up as well. If not the same, sorry. We have Blizzard no, I got in here. Polaris. There's some differences. Yeah, a couple, but it's, it's very similar. Right. But the, the fact of the matter is you don't need all these high-tech crazy cards when you have this. Now, you will lose every now and then. But the thing is, 
It's why this deck has been consistent now going on six months, but Hitmonkey adds to it. Dude, you have an answer for everything that is out there. There's definitely an answer for everything. And my inclusion of Polaris was specifically for Galactus. Like, I'm not joking. Like, the amount of times that, like, someone would snap on me and I have Polaris in hand, I'm like, I know what you're doing, clown. Like, I know exactly what you're doing. Yondu is coming over here now, and you're going to be upset. And I'm going to get your cues. And that's exactly how I beat Galactus players again and again and again. And if I didn't have Polaris, then I walked. I gave them the one cube. Here's your donation. It's fine. Enjoy your your slow but possibly steady climb to infinite. Yeah, right. But uh, I'm having fun here with Sarah Monkey Control. And uh, honestly, again, these decks I'm showing you guys right now is like the win rates were through the roof. Like, honestly, Cozy, I, like your Rocks and Hawk uh, deck, by the way, like seriously, before the Enchantress buff, I was running that at like 68% win rate. Like, it was wild. It I think why it's so wild is truly the, the piece of Agent Coulson. Well, A, you have like nine win conditions in the deck. That's number one, right? You can switch <laughs> it up. But B, I just love, man. It's I'm still going to play the hell out of it when Conquest comes out because there's so much variance in the deck. And, and it's fun. I, I, I go for fun first and then sweat. I've always done that, right? And so I want the deck to be fun. And even if it's like above 50%, then it's fine, right? You're having a good time and you're, you're, you're climbing most likely pretty steadily. Uh, and Rocks and Hawks, I feel like, does that. And that's why I was able to take it uh, up and up. But uh, as for my meta deck, I, I, I don't have a graphic. I'll have a video coming out here pretty soon. And it's called, classically, from the December days, Two Devils. Now, this deck used to be great with Leader, and it's still great. It's made a huge comeback. Because what are you doing, Alex? You're combining your control, and you're combining Devil Dinosaur's brokenness, right? It busted just crazy stat value. It's perfect. I mean, basically, you're telling me that you have a new broken devil dinosaur deck. Well, I know what my next favorite deck is going to be. <laughs> you know that I am like the king of devil dinosaur enjoying like this card. I can't get enough of it. I have more splits of devil. Di oh my, you actually have more splits than me. You have a couple more splits than me. So I was going to say I'm the ultimate devil dinosaur enjoyer. You just can't stop. Look at that Kirby crackle. Dan hip. Dude, you know, I, I, I kind of mad that it's purple, though. It doesn't really work. I mean, it's going to look good on infinite, you know, or, uh, you know, it's going to look OK. At infinity. But, look good. Uh, but I, I I, I can't decide. When I, the problem is I can't decide which damn one. And then I just got this one because how do I not get this one with Spider-Man on it for you audio listeners? It's, a, it's by far the most menacing uh, devil that you can find, devil dinosaur. But anyway, two devils, man. It, it utilizes control and the power of devil dinosaur. That is one that I took up, man, to I think it's my most nutty stats I ever had on untapped whenever I was looking at my, my win percentage. Just absolutely crazy, dude. Unbelievable. And I mean, I'm looking forward to that video as uh, you know, I always do. Your videos are absolutely insane. And your deck crafting is phenomenal. We talked about it the other week, right? Where your decks are phenomenally well done, phenomenally well crafted because you put the time in. You put the time in and every card has a very distinct purpose and they just work together beautifully. So thank you for the service that you're doing to this community. <laughs> Cozy, helping us all get to infinite. Oh, uh, dude, listen, there's not, I, I feel like every deck I've made, someone probably has made it out there, right? But it's fun to bring them to light. That's, that's my goal. I don't ever want to claim ownership of decks, but Definitely, as my job, I want to try to pump them out there for people to use and not hold anything back, right? Like, screw screw that. Man. Maybe when I, like, if I get into super competitive tournaments or something, but uh, definitely a super fun meta to climb, and uh, these decks are still going to work into the next season as well. Yeah, it has been a fun meta to climb, especially since the uh, OTA updates. Now, there is a card that I think we're seeing a little too prevalent. We will be talking about that shortly, so don't worry, folks. All the Galactus players, enjoyers, haters and all, we'll be discussing him shortly. But first, we're talking about the cards that carried us this season. Now, we just talked about the decks that carried us, but there have been cards within those decks and just cards in general that we have found to be very uh, successful in helping us achieve those cubes, those high win rates, and the cards that we have been turning to for those reliable games. 
Yeah, I've got a couple. I think I've got some sexy picks, but also ones that are just value cards that uh, it might be one of my highest token recommendations. It's going to take another month for this to drop. I've got to say, if you look across my decks, in fact, every deck that I listed, except for Patriot, had this card in it. Zabu is the card that carried me to infinite, and I think it's one of the most important in the games, as, as I've alluded to earlier in the podcast on my side. Guys, Zabu is so legit. The, the one cost discount, mainly to have two four cost cards played on turn six, is so valuable. And now pairing that with Sarah and having a Sarah Miracle or pairing it with Heroxen Hawks or having it work with Patriot, it makes the thing a lot more valuable, right? He just works across so many deck types, even to the point where I'm playing him in a zoo deck where I have him with Dracula, Shauna, and uh, Kazar, right? So, so many different uses. This has got to be my, my card of the month. No question. It's insane how good Zabu is. And uh, it's when it first got nerfed, I wondered. I wondered about it. I had this moment. I was like, is this card, did they kill Zabu? And they clearly didn't. Like, if anything, I think it's more prevalent now than it was before. It, it doesn't have the game-breaking kind of like combo-centric play that it did before. Like, it had this unfair potential last time with like the Spider-Man, Absorbing Man style thing. They fixed that while still keeping the card incredibly relevant and even giving it additional archetype possibilities with like negative, for instance. I think it was a masterclass in readjusting the card. Masterclass. Love Zabu. And... I, I build most of my decks around Zabu. I do. I, I start, I, I, I throw them in there and then I'm like, all right, let's put a couple of four costs. And now, hey, guess what? New season cards, they're, they're four costs. We have two extremely good four costs coming in that as well that are seven and six power. Like just really solid across the board. And Zabu is my, my guy. What, what about you? Okay, we're going to stick at the two costs then, because for me, Jeff has been one of the cards that I've been using over and over again. This has been like a card that I remember when we first talked about it, we're like, Alex, what do you give it a score? And I was like, I don't know. And was it worth the 6K tokens we discussed? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's fun, but is it worth... Okay, the more I play Jeff, especially with the change to Lizard, I become way more confident in my purchase. Now, if you're free to play, I still think you save up for High Evo. I still think you save up for, for you know, Iron Lad and things like that. Like, don't get me wrong, but Jeff has been a great performer. Like it just is so reliable. It does exactly what I need it to do. That's the beautiful thing about it. It just, it does not get dissuaded. It always does what I need it to do. And that is providing me with a lot of confidence to play Jeff. So Jeff has been a card that like every time I'm making a deck, like I'm like, okay, Scorpion or Jeff is often where I start the discussion. It used to be lizard or Jeff, but then you know, lizard. Okay, lizard isn't even that bad. But like, okay, but like, because now I'm playing Enchantress a lot too, which helps for lizard. But, but Jeff, I honestly, cozy. I know it's a series five card, and it's not the most sensual call out here. But this is a good card, and I think that it is on the climb to being one of the best two drops in Marvel Snap. Yeah, I get it. I don't want to repeat myself because we talked about Jeff earlier, and I talked about this card earlier. But I kid you not, I, I put Professor X in the exact same vein. Debris is such a good Galactus counter, but there's nothing, oh my god, there's nothing more fun than dropping Pro-X on the lane they play Galactus. Like, it's done. They can't Spider-Man, there's nothing they can do. It's over, and, and I naturally run him in so many decks because my two, two costs, a lot of the times, if it's not a balanced deck, is Zabu and Daredevil, right? And so obviously, I'll, I'll slot this guy in there because there's four cost cards, as you've alluded to, that works with him. Uh, Jeff is a recent one as well. So yeah, dude, I get it, man. I think I think Jeff's viability went up and it brought Pro X's up. And my favorite cards of the season are usually ones that, you know, kind of handle the meta per se. But yeah, Pro X is my next one. What's like a quick take on yours uh, next one? My next one is going to be Polaris. 
It has to oh, be yeah. Polaris. And again, this is a card that I've brought up, I think, twice already. But like, um, it's just such a good card. A 3-5, immense power on board. And uh, I was, it's funny because prior I said, you know what? Oh, do I play Polaris or do I play Maximus? Because, you know, you want the extra two power. And I remember sleeping on this effect. Like, uh, you know, you pull a card over, who cares? But with Galactus being as popular as it is, like... Polaris gives you not only a very high power play on turn three, but it pulls a card that really destroys the Galactus game plan. Like it really has a negative impact on them, especially when like you consider that like Galactus often is playing those two or single locations, hoping that like there's that one that they can play their card in. They, there's the one location often where like, okay, that is the Galactus spot. That's where they're going to be playing. And even if it turns into a 50-50, it's still a 50-50 with Polaris, right? Yep. So I do think that this card does provide a lot of tempo. It provides a lot of value. And it has an immense effect, especially for people that are trying to counteract Galactus. And honestly, Cozy, I love Silver Surfer. It's a natural inclusion there. It's a natural inclusion in so many different decks. Yep, without question. I, I think that it's cool compared to Debris as well, because Debris is like the catch-all counter, but at the same time, like you don't want the rocks on your side of the board a lot of the times either, right? So, like, this is a good value play, and you screw them up. Typically, we see Galactus players put it into two lanes. They should be stacking in one lane, if you you know, if you, typically. But usually, there's a location that screws them up in some way, shape, or form as well. So, I do think that she is a uh, dude. And, yeah, she's just a 3-5, right? Which is absolutely nutty. So, definitely would say that is a, a damn good card. Now, Patriot would be the one I would pick as, like, my three cost. But to be honest, man... God, I just love Ultron. Like, God, I just love what this guy brings to the table. So, so reliable into so many decks. And I love that Patriot, right? Like, I think Super Scroll would be on both of our lists as well. I think, you know, that's kind of been talked about. But I love that Patriot has so many different builds now. So that it almost made Ultron better. Because they're not always expecting the guy to come out now. Opposed to when it was mainly the, the, the play that you did on turn six with him, right? So... Easily Ultron Man, Patriot decks. Like, God, just Patriot together. I leaned on those cards heavily this season. The closer that Ultron gets to being like a surprise card, I think the stronger it is. Always. Like, yep. the closer that, like, yeah, because, like, really, if you're able to predict, predict the Patriot and the Ultron combination, then, like, it doesn't have the same impact. But when Ultron comes down and you didn't quite expect it, it's punishing. It's definitely punishing. Now, I got a couple other cards here, and I actually have a three cost I want to bring up because this is a card that I think that uh, we've talked about being a nerf candidate so many times, and I bet you, you already know I'm going to talk about Wave. Wave is so unbelievably good, and it's a card that just keeps on delivering. I have so many Wave 5 style decks that I've been taking to like Infinite and playing. Like, you got the classic Doom Wave, which has been meta for so long. It has like a soft Sandman style effect, right? Where you usually get to take advantage of it, where your opponent can't. Now the turn five Sarah's minimize it a bit because they get to play two cards, right? But ultimately, I do think that Wave has, for most decks, that Sandman style effect. While you can take advantage of it with other amazing cards like She-Hulk, Arrow, who's still good in my opinion, by the way. And of course, Doctor Doom. Wave's unbelievable. Dude, I've been not putting Wave in my decks because she's in everyone else's decks. And I'm like, I'll let them... Help me out, right? Like, it, and I love that. And I love doing it because I just had a deck uh, just that I talked about with both the Patriot Casino and a couple other ones where I'm like, yeah, hey guys, I don't always have Wave in this deck because they'll throw it out and then you just capitalize sometimes even bigger than they were anticipating for. So definitely, dude. I mean, Wave, I like that. Glenn has stated too, she likes where Wave's at. Uh, she, she offers a lot in one kind of package and uh, there's definitely plays around her. Uh, she doesn't feel as oppressive, even though... You know, I think obviously the death wave is is really good right now. Uh, uh, very strong. Always kind of a strong deck. 
I feel like every meta, when things get adjusted, people are like, Death Wave is bust. You got played this busted deck, and it's Death Wave. And it's like, well, yeah, it, it's it's going to be good. It's it's a very good deck, and it, and it has been. Uh, dude, can we also, like, just not skip past that Hitmonkey has been, like... And by the way, I, I partially want to just flex the variant, if I can... It, where, this is most shining variant. There you is. always do this, by the way. You can never find the cards. I don't even know how you're sorting your cards half the time. It yeah, doesn't make it, any yeah, sense. This is all over the place. But, uh, man, but is, has Hitmonkey not been... He has lived to the hype. Talk about a card that's lived to the hype. I think Hitmonkey has been so good, even as a 2-6 sometimes, man. Like, I've loved him. I've loved Hitmonkey, too. And the thing I love the most is it brought back Angela and Bishop, two of my favorite cards from beta that just died when they got nerfed. Like, they were just dead in the water. And, like, I'm like, what's, what's it going to be? How many Snapchats do we talk about how, like, a card might be dead? Like, oh, Crystal's dead. Bishop's dead. Angela's dead. And I'm like, there's going to be a card that comes out. There's gonna, we don't know it, but there's going to be a card that comes out where like it's going to resurrect these ones that you thought were completely irrelevant. Yep. It happened with rock, people are like, why would you ever play Rock Slide? Rock Slide is garbage. And it's like, well, yeah, because Darkhawk wasn't in the, the game yet. Darkhawk comes out, Rock Slide's a beauty. And then now you have the exact same thing with Hitmonkey, resurrecting Angela, who was like, literally, do you remember making guides during the first month of the game? And it's like, if you did not include Angela, you were an idiot. Oh, yeah. Like, Angela had to be in everything. And that changed when she got nerfed. Without question. I feel like, yeah, Angela felt like how She-Hulk is and Sunspot. I mean, just like, yeah, must includes to just make a rounded out deck even better. And, and, and Hitmonkey, dude, just... Loved what he's done, and it, this might—it it might be my favorite season pass card. It may not be the best one that came out, but just like, oh man, I think he's just a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun, and, and it's mainly because the way bounce plays. You know, I, I could throw Beast as another two cost, and I think is uh, everybody elevated playing him a lot. Did you play a lot of bounce? I did not play that much bounce. Honestly, like the complexity of the uh, the bounce base list kind of turned me off a little bit. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm just a trash tier player, but like, honestly, I was mispiling those decks so often. I was like, man, I, I like the list. I like what it's doing, but I'm like, I don't think this is for me. I need something. Give me that sweet old electro into Sandman style gameplay. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I'm kidding. I, I actually, I did play a little bit. I, I liked it, but it was complex to pilot and um anybody that plays bounce honestly respect you bounce and move are the two that i'm like man you playing bounce and move like god bless man like you're going for it <laughs> here's the cubes i'm just gonna snap and let you win because you've earned it already yeah no question man no question but my last card dude i have and then we can move on for me is 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 juggernaut too i think i've talked about him enough on the on the snapchat but juggernaut man he just feels good. He feels good. I've been using a lot of Stegron as well. I think he's a bit underrated. He'll be the super scroll in like four months. Everyone's like, ah. Oh. But I, I think Juggernaut, even take like the Odin on Sandman thing. You just move that Odin to another lane and all of a sudden it's like, there goes that strategy out the window. You have to have some things to kind of make it work around him. But instead of saying Storm is my winner, I want to give to Juggernaut. I love Jug. I've been playing Jug nonstop, and because uh, I love Silver Surfer, I talk about it all the time. I love the turn four Juggernaut blocking off that uh, Storm location. It's like literally a location one almost every single time. Um, I love that this is the best worst variant in the game in the Oscar Mayer weenie Juggernaut here. It's so good while being so bad at the same time. Like, what is wrong with his face? Like, I don't understand what's happening there. But like, it is such a beautiful card. I love it. And cozy. I'll, I'll finish off the topic. I got one. It's a bit of a cheat because it's kind of three cards in one. But once I explain, you'll understand why they work so well together and this this episode of the snapchat is brought to you by 
discard because I'm going to talk about mainly Dracula. Dracula was the one I picked initially, okay? Because I think Dracula has carried me to so many victories. I got chirped so hard when I put Dracula on our top 10 list. We were like, Dracula, top 10. Alex is inebriated. There is no way that Dracula should... Alex is intoxicated. He is under the influence. Dracula should not be on the top 10. He was on my top but, 10 the week before, or the month before, so I totally did I know, it. but I think people was, were like, no, Dracula, I saw no. the comments and kind of, yeah, I know. I was like, what? I was yeah. like, come on, man. Dracula's awesome. And it's Dracula, Modoc, and Apocalypse for me. Like those three cards, they come in as a package. I cannot explain to you how much confidence I have when I have Dracula on the board. And I can't explain to you how tilting it is for my opponent. Like that Dracula is horrifying for your opponent. Like every time I storm a location, I just drop Dracula there, like in my discard deck. And like they just sit there to like, what, well, that Dracula is going to be a 20. It's going to be something crazy. It's hitting Infinite. It's hitting Apocalypse, which I'm watching count up to like crazy levels already. I got this Morbius that's a 12 already. Like it's crazy what Dracula does to your opponent's like mental state. Well, especially during like these highly intense high 90s kind of snap games where it's like Dracula is just like, no, that card's going to screw me over. I want that card gone. <laughs> Dude, couldn't couldn't have said it better myself, man. When I was uh, when Shauna got buffed, I was making all these new decks, a lot of one cost. I'm like, yeah, man. And I'm like, you know what? Let's take Dracula Dump, and then let's do what I did with the pa Patriot Casino and like have there almost be no bad value that comes out of them. And so with the the Evil Zoo, which was my most recent video posted this one, you know, it's like, all right, I'll take a Destroyer. I'll take an Infinite. I'll take a She-Hulk. How about Ebony Maw? Like it didn't really matter to build it up was crazy. And it feels the fear factor that he brings is what I love about him so much. Because when I play him, what I try to base cards off of is the own emotion I have against it. And when I play Dracula, I'm like, well, that lane's done. Chop it up. Like, I don't even care if there's like seven swarms. I am know he's going to get the, the apocalypse, right? So I give him the lane a lot of the times. Whereas, you know, and dude, getting the wins against people who play Dracula when it does like a, a Cosmo, you're like, oh my God. Oh my God, I somehow, I didn't deserve the win, but I got it, right? Dracula, without question, is one of my favorite cards in Marvel Snap right now. And I have to include it in this list for exactly the reason why you just said. It, it gives you a confidence and it gives your opponent a lack of confidence. The Delta, emotional Delta in Dracula is amongst the highest in Marvel Snap. It really is. And so that's why I absolutely love it. And of course, I want to give a special shout out to Enchantress because Enchantress was damn good. I was playing Enchantress even before the buff and I still thought it was good as a surprise card. Now it's not even a surprise card. It's just a good card. So Cozy, we're going to be discussing something that is incredibly polarizing in the Marvel Snap community. I'm actually really excited to have this conversation with you. Is Galactus a problem? Now, I think that in the comments section, I'd like to hear you guys bout it out because it's a fascinating point of discussion in the community right now. And I'd be interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I, it's it's a tough one to talk about because I see uh, I do see two points of view on the card. Uh, and I also have massive respect for people that have been playing it for a long time and bought the card. So again, as all nerfs go, like, am I surprised that this is the most hated card? No, we literally had a topic addressed last time about the most, the upcoming villains. At this point, I've adjusted to the scene of the card games and there's always a hated card and Sandman got adjusted. So uh, of course, like this is the one that's left. Uh, Galactus is tricky. What I'll say is there are so many counters to it. Yes, there is. Guys, I, I really don't like you just look it up. There's Polaris, there's Cosmo, there's Titania, even ones you don't even think about, right? Like Green Goblin, uh, Debris, we just mentioned. There's a good amount. Arrow, uh, I could keep going. However, it doesn't really matter about the counters because th those cards too are plug and playable. They're not, a lot of them are. You don't have to put Debris in every deck. But what I will say is he's the last of them. 
And what I mean by that is he erases all the hard work that was done. And is he a good card for Marvel Snap in general? I don't know. And that's where he's going to get probably adjusted. I think overall, the, the leader and the leech effect, why those cards got, you know, tuned down and, and adjusted, especially leech, they weren't fun. And, and, and yes, is it fun to, to as a Galactus player sometimes? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, for whatever reason, these are the players that hit the uh, the, the thumbs up a million times and, and snap question mark and whatever. But I, I, I feel like because of that, that's the most polarizing piece about Galactus, right? It's because of the... It, it is not fun for the player on the other side. They sit through the animation. They already know what's going to happen. Most of the time, they're going to lose. But I think it's not just him. I think it's another two cards that are the biggest issues with Galactus. Uh, and I know what I would do to adjust him. Because, again, I have respect for the people that that do purchase and play him. What about What are your thoughts? I think you touched on a couple key things. First of all, there are way more counters to Galactus than people give credit for. And like even locations, like location wise, like you get Central Park, it's like you're, it's, it's done, right? Um, I think that there is a fascinating discussion to be had about how Galactus can have like this very wide range between like the enjoyment factor of the player playing Galactus versus the player being played against, right? The person that is seeing their entire board get wiped out. And the worst part about it is if Galactus was a turn six surprise play, I think this this is a non-discussion. I think that as a turn six surprise play, Galactus would be incredible. But the fact that it's like, there's the Yondu, there's the, there's the Wolverine, it's Wave, or it's it's Electro. Like It's like, you know exactly what's happening. It's so choreographed, which is also like, it's so choreographed. Like, you know it's coming. So if you have Green Goblin, if you have these answers, the Polaris, which we've talked about 15 times in this podcast, like you're able to counter it. So it shouldn't be stealing that many cubes from you. And when you know that you don't have the counter, give them the cube, go next. And that, that's the thing. It's it's not the cube rate at all. Like, guys, you shouldn't be like, uh, why Why are you like, maybe they don't have no, they have no, right? Or maybe they don't have X card. Spider-Man. Yeah, well, that's the card I'm about to get to for sure. But like, it, it <laughs> trust me, that's the one I have the biggest issue with Galactus. But I think it is what you just said. Turn five, turn six can only be played is probably the way to make him work. Or you give him a crap load of power and you get rid of the whole priority game with him. Those are the... Or the Spider-Man address, which I'll get to. I don't get tilted and snap almost ever. But almost ever. Uh, it takes a lot to get me pissed off in this game. But there's nothing more that I think is most lazy. It, here's the thing. It's not... Again, it's not that I don't think he's beatable. He's very beatable. His win rate is 50%. He's just, I don't know if he's the best thing for Snap, especially moving forward in the future. Make him good, figure him out. Right now, I don't love it. But the thing that will tilt me, it's not the Null, it's not the Shang-Chi, because I don't see those a lot. I'm out of there. This is the most boring, uh, thoughtless play and the most waste of my time is a Spider-Man played after Galactus. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. If they make it on Spider-Man where he can't have that, if there's only one lane, uh, then you know what? Honestly, Galactus can say the exact same to me. It's Spider-Man Galactus, and I love Spider-Man as a card. It's the same effect as Zabu with the Absorbing Man Spider-Man. It, dude, it's just, it's just not fun. It takes way too much time to get into the game, do it all, and then it, that happens. I agree 100%. And I feel bad because I feel like Spider-Man's kind of like an innocent bystander in this situation where it's like, this card is not an issue anywhere else anywhere else except in Galactus because it's so not interactive and like even for the Galactus player you played Spider-Man like what you think I'm actually gonna go through with that turn now like what you you get your cube you got your cube but then what right like it's um I mean Dracula 
is a <laughs> is a, is something you can do. And I was trying to do stuff like that. Like that's what I would do. They're gonna play Galactus here. I'm gonna play Dracula. Right. Yep. I'm gonna do something that can reach, but then like I can't play Modoc to discard my hand, and I'm playing RNG games over here. So that's the other thing too. It's not even Galactus so much because here, and uh, this might be controversial. I actually think you have to be pretty talented to pull off some Galactus plays. My favorite Galactus decks are the Valkyrie ones with Yellow Jacket, Adam Warlock. You play Valkyrie, then Rocket Raccoon. Dude, you guys are just being lazy if you think that's not incredibly hard to pull off. It's a priority dance. You have to make sure that they don't play a card or that you are lower and all that stuff. The problem is are the cards that surround them, and it's more of the pre-turned Galactus, but I don't know if we're going to be able to adjust that unless they add the five or six. Spider-Man on turn five, or, and this is one of the bigger things, yeah, there's a million counters. Why don't you use them? Well, it's hard to use them when you have big freaking Doc Ock come out and then he does the same effect, right? He pulls all of what you had in store, the Enchantress, the Super Scroll, whatever, and then they come out and they're worthless because those cards are gone and all the answers and keys you had are messed up now. So I don't know if it's Galactus Galactus. It's the deck as a whole built together. It's funny that it's Doc Ock and Spider-Man, by the way, <laughs> like as far as like how that works. So it's tough. I, he's beatable, man. I, I don't have a problem with him, but he's a 10% plus play rate that's through the roof. And, and is it good for Marvel Snap? Probably not. We're going to get a billion people in the comments because there's it's there's two camps. There's two camps, period. They right. love they love or hate, and, and we're expected to get both. I'm, and that's why I'm in the middle. Of, I understand. Yeah, I totally get it. Like, people spent their hard-earned tokens on it. Like, you don't want to completely destroy it or, like, leader it, as we used to say, right? But leader's now pretty decent. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, like, I have seen... So I played one person who played a negative Galactus, which I know was kind of going around a little bit, but it was actually a fascinating deck. It was like they were piloting it with like high degree of skill. It was not as choreographed. I ultimately knew it was Galactus. I don't remember what gave it away, but I did know it was Galactus. But like it was one of those things I'm like, this is respect. Like I like this. I would like to see Galactus be like what you said before, make it like a 612, right? But make it so that like maybe it goes good with like move or like maybe you're Doctor Stranging something out right? And then playing Galactus in. That is kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, if they get it, again, I'm curious what everyone would say, but if they make Galactus where he's 6'5", maybe 6'6". Six, six, I said 6'12", I'm going to get absolutely uh, roasted. Or 6'9", whatever, yeah, I get it though, but like, uh, where priority is usually going to end up on the Galactus player or people can expect that more, and you eliminate the whole Spider-Man interaction, I would have zero problem. I think what it is, is Marvel Snap is a game that's quick, witty, fun, I would love to see the stats of how many people don't go back to the game after they lose to a Galactus Spider-Man for the fifth time, right? Or your snap conditions. Things are looking really good. Even now, yeah, hitting Galactus is a thing. But don't take away the respect of how hard it is to play the deck outside of those kind of Spider-Man thoughtless. It's thoughtless. It is. It, it doesn't take talent. I'm sorry. You play You play Spider-Man down and, and then you can do a lot. And I don't, I actually am sure, I, I don't think I've ever been tilted, even with double Spider-Man, of just like, all right, well... I asked, you know, it's five minutes. I'm not going to get back right, or whatever, but it's tough because I respect both sides and I, I was a big fan of Galactus for a long time. I was doing this fun meme deck that like, I just absolutely love this fake Galactus deck where I was running Orca on turn six instead of Galactus. And I was basically pumping up my lanes and they're like, he's going to play Galactus here now. I had like, I literally played Yondu Wolverine. I, I literally choreographed Galactus the entire time. And then on turn six in the empty lane, Orca. <laughs> Oh, what? it worked so much, man. People were like, what is this? I got a lot of thumbs up, but like not ironic thumbs up. It was like, yes, 
Thumbs up, fist bump. Dude, and this isn't a complaint. This is more of fun. Have you lost a game before where the Wolverine decides to F and go to that one other location before it gets destroyed? Uh, the, it, oh, like, the his time. gets destroyed, then it goes the other one, and that's what beats you. And you're like, are you shit? <laughs> like, yeah, and then you play Galactus Tech, and Wolverine's like, all right, I'm going to go right to your Galactus location. I got you. Don't worry. I'm going to screw you over, right? And that's also it. I, I think it proves a point that Galactus isn't always the easiest to play either because people will get beaten by Galactus a million times and be like, I'm going to play Galactus now, damn it. And then they lose 10 games in a row and they're like, I'm just mad at everything now, right? He's a tricky one. And that's why he's not an OTA buff, guys. He's definitely going to be something ability related. And I, I hope, and they will, they will make Galactus still a good card. They just have to figure it out. I have a hot take. What if they made it so that you can't play more than one Galactus deck at, the, at a time? So, like, what if they made it so, like, if I'm queuing against Galactus, I know you're like your face, like, come on. <laughs> but, like, there was a night, I'm not making this up cozy, I could bring the receipt if I have to, where I literally was streaming, I played the same Galactus player twice, another Galactus player, another Galactus player, then that next Galactus player twice. I, I played, like, eight Galactus games in a row. I was, like, getting so annoyed by it. And, like, other people in the comments were like, yeah, Alex, I, I've experienced that, too. What if they made it so that, like, once you play one Galactus player, if they detect Galactus in the deck they're matching you with, they just match you against someone else. There's no way, the coding, but yeah, right. I know, come on, let me have this moment. I need it, I need it. But also, like, how many times were you, like, you, you play 10 Galactuses, and you're like, fine, I'm putting debris in the deck. And then you don't play another Galactus for, like, ages and you play four Patriots and they get the rock bonus. You're like, I can't win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You put debris in the deck and they're just, they're playing like uh, literally like death wave on you and they're just, you're like, I, I, okay, there's something to be said. I know this is like, okay, now we're way off the beaten path now, but like there's something to be said. I put Quicksilver in a deck. The first game I played was against someone who was playing Quicksilver. I, I was like, no. And chat was like, Full conspiracy theory, deck matching, the whole thing. I could not, Cozy, I was in shock. I've not seen a Quicksilver, unironically, unironically, for months. I put Quicksilver in my deck first game I, I was against a Quicksilver player. What I will say is so like, this has been like all over Reddit and, and everything. And, and, <laughs> I know, and, and, and there's so way, there's like a, there's a ridiculous amount of evidence against this. It, it, like There's so much more against it than there is for it. But it doesn't make the coincidences not seem like they matter, dude. I swear I'll build, uh, I built Patriots, not Patriots, uh, Kill Bounce. Never saw that deck in my life. And then the next game, someone's playing Kill Bounce. And I'm like, how is this possible? I haven't released the video yet, right? Like, I, I totally get that. Or like, yeah, it's even worse when you play like Hitmonkey and then it's Sandman. Or you, you're like, fine, there's too many Sandman. Then you switch to something and then it, 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 coincidence, coincidences happen for sure. And it's by far the most comments I get on my channel. Like the game's rigged and it, it's, I, I'll give a thousand dollars to someone, hand on a Bible. If, if, if you can have concrete evidence that there's, uh, you know, that that, that, that exists. But uh, it is funny, man, because it happens. It happens to everyone. Eh? Now, guys, really appreciate all the reviews we've been getting on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as all the YouTube comments, guys. We listen back to all of them and really appreciate you guys coming back to the Snapchat time and time again. Alex, dude, what a week. What an episode, man. And I'm excited for the future. Good luck out there in the new season. We will see you next Monday. And as always, my friends, until the next one, happy snapping.